everybody. It is very good to be back with my people, with you. Um, New York is, uh, it's got good food. That's about all I can say. Um, They had the bright idea to legalize marijuana in New York, and I know there's lots of states now that are doing it, but uh, it's all over the place. I was telling these guys this morning, it's like when I was a kid and everybody used to smoke, you know, everywhere you went, everybody, and it's everybody smoking marijuana now, and their uh, IQ has not increased because of it. So I don't know, we got to keep that out of our state if we can. Anyway, it is, it is good to be back. This morning, I think we're in some actual direct teachings from Jesus out of Mark chapter 4. And I am excited, passionate about what we're going to try to do today. I think one of the biggest mistakes we tell people is that understanding Jesus' teaching is just simple. Just falling off the truck, simple. I don't think Jesus was complex to be complex. But I really think he reflects where he grew up in Galilee. And he reflects the title that people are giving him more than any other title people give him. Not titles he uses for himself. But 60 times in Scripture, uh, people call him rabbi. And even if they didn't do that, we could tell he was one by the way that he taught. And so a lot of times when we're growing up, we just think, oh, well, this is this is Jesus stuff. This is just the way that he did it. Well, that's not true. There was a system, a, a mode of communicating that Jesus picks up and he uses. Now, I don't want to give the false impression that he was just like any other rabbi, because uh, he certainly was not. Uh, people discovered that very quickly about him. Uh, he is, they always say, rabbi plus. Uh, he's a miracle worker, and obviously, he's God. And even though Pete God has talked to people a lot in Scripture, it's not always a direct quote that we have from God. Sometimes we get it with Moses, but it's not quite like being taught by Jesus. So I confess I have this fascination um, and deep-seated fear to sit down at a Bible study with Jesus. Man, I would love to do it, but I'd be scared out of my mind um, because it is not... It is not as simple as we imagine. So I'm going to try to illustrate this. Um, I want to stress that you probably haven't got anything wrong. It's just much deeper, uh, much more going on sometimes than we realize. So let's take a look at our scripture. This is from Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And I know you've heard this. We've all heard it. We've heard it millions of times. But there's a lot more going on. So Mark 4, chapter 21. Then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed to shut out the light? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. Everything that is now hidden or secret 
will eventually be brought to light. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand, and be sure to pay attention to what you hear. The more you do this, the more you will understand. And even more besides, to those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. So again, you got up this morning, you didn't have goofball me teaching, you had Jesus sitting here, and that's what he said. And we all would go, okay. I mean, we get it, sort of, right? I mean, if anything, I think my new life goal is to de-fortune cookie the Bible. Uh, we, we tend to get these little nuggets, and we take them, just rip them out of context. You know, be the light of the world. Don't put your lamp under a, a basket. How many times have you heard that? All right. So let's try to pick this apart. I think the best tool I can give anybody that's serious about studying Jesus is first look for the question. No matter how Jesus is teaching, whether it's a parable, whether it's a quoting of scripture, an interpretation, as a Galilean rabbi, he's always going to push you towards a question. Now, we had a sermon series on this last month, so I hope some of it kind of resounds. But if you look at the way teachers from where Jesus grew up, and particularly the way he Jesus does it, he's not just going to give you the answer. He's going to try to ask you a series of questions that lead you to discover the answer for yourself. We have so many examples of this. Uh, Jesus asks far more questions in Scripture than he gives answers. That's not because he doesn't have answers but because he wants us, and this is the way the rabbinic system works, they want, through their teaching, you to say the answer with your own mouth. And this is deep in Scripture. Uh, Sometimes we don't realize it. Uh, We say stuff like in uh, Paul's letters, every tongue will confess. And we say that, oh, well, that's pretty. Again, that's a fortune cookie. Oh, I like that. But through the questions, through the examples of life, everybody is going to come up with the right answer eventually. Now, much better to do it now than before Judgment Day. So if you can sort of drill yourself, you know, if... One of the many crazy jobs I had to do as a kid for my dad was uh, working on sprinklers. You ever done that? Um, yeah, I'm sure everybody has messed with it. I'm terrible at it. I, I break more PVC than I ever repair. But you know, you find one sprinkler, you can find all the other sprinklers. You, you know, as crazy as who put this system in? You know, um, it, once you find one, you're good. If you can find the question that Jesus is after, then you're on the road. Now, there's lots of places he'll take you, but you've got to 
sort of train your brain, he's not just telling me, he's trying to show me. Uh, forgive me, I think this is the best example, and I'm going to use it forever. If Jesus was a football coach, how would he coach? <laughs> what play will get us in the end zone? Um, and so I, I saw this, uh, and I think it's just it's just perfect. Um, the second thing that when you really study Jesus that I like about the guy, and we almost never talk about, he has a little bit of a an edge to him. He he's funny sometimes. Uh, he but he always sort of pokes people, um, and we forget that. Like when he told the Good Samaritan story, that that wasn't just oh I love all people. I mean he really sort of got in them. Um, so he, he has a way of, of kind of shocking you a little bit. So anyway, let me try this. Um, Tom Brady. Um, was never a big fan of the Patriots, but uh, man, he's been doing well. Except for in marriage, um, he's, he's doing well. So I think the way Jesus' coach would talk to us about Tom Brady is to say it this way. What is the only way that you can prevent Tom Brady from winning another Super Bowl? So let me show you. (laughs) But you realize what went on there, right? I mean, it was the question, and you kind of had to go through that little process yourself, right? I'm not really talking about Tom Brady. I'm talking about the Cowboys, really. Um, But what is it? It, This is what you have to do with Jesus' teachings. You have to find the question. He's going to do this. And I think he's, like I said, he's got a little edge. He's got a little funny. I don't think Jesus hates the Cowboys, although it would be hard to tell sometimes. Um, But he he wants to, to get this thing moving. He wants to get your heart in some place. So... This, what we just read, is easy because he lumps out the question right in the beginning. Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed and shut shut the light out? Okay, so he's asked us a question. This is not rhetorical. He's not talking about, oh, I've got the ability to sing and I just need to sing show my light to the world. I mean, all this crap that we we load onto this. you got to put it in context. So he's asking you the question, would you hide your light? So we've got to live with this question for a minute. Why would you light a light in your house and then hide it? So we need to understand a little bit about the lamps and the lights and all that he's talking about. This is kind of a mess right now, but one of my pride possessions is my favorite artifact because I found it. This is a early Iron Age lamp uh, from a dig that I participated just south of Jerusalem. It is... uh, a woman's lamp, 
because of the color red. Now, I can't say this in church, but the Egyptian culture, the Canaanite culture, and the Israelite culture all associate women with the color red. Why is that? That's the most popular male color. That's exactly right. Um, so, yeah, that's the question we don't have answered. But, um, so it, it's a woman's lamp. It's called a prayer lamp. It's a nightlight, in essence. So at night, um, if something happens in the middle of the night, you need a light burning, um, hopefully, so you can get up quickly and respond as opposed to trying to... You know, make something in the light. So it's, it's a simple structure, right? It's just clay uh, that's been fired. Uh, you fill it with olive oil, and then you float a wick in it, and you light it. And this becomes kind of the focal point, the real altar, if you will, for the average Israelite home. You know, they don't have, hopefully, they don't have little... <clears throat> Uh, pagan statues like uh, Egyptians or others, but they'll have this. And so in Proverbs, they talk about, uh, you know, the righteous woman and she trims her lamp. It's this idea that you keep this light burning no matter what. So this simple household thing is a huge cultural component we Christians have to get to understand Jesus, have to get to understand the Messiah. So on the one hand, you have a very simple clay vessel holding light, holding something blessed, the oil. And it's really a metaphor for us. Because what are we told we're made out of in Scripture? Clay. We're just simple clay, and one day it's going to be broken and it's all over. But what makes us different is what God puts in us. In our case, the soul. In the case of these, uh, it was olive oil. And I've talked about this ad nauseum, but we don't grow up this way, so we don't make these instant connections like they do in Scripture. Olive oil should always make you think of what? Messiah. When you fill this thing with oil, the thing you're filling it with is Messiah. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world... Of course he's the light of the world, because where does light come from? You know, the Egyptians said, well, the light comes from the sun god Ra. And we think the light comes when we flip the switch, or when mysterious wind power brings in, I don't know, that's crazy. But um, they said the light came from the oil. The light comes from the Messiah. Now the thing about this is, you've got three crops that you're living off of throughout the course of the year. They come uh, basically every four months. Uh, One of them is olives. And so you would harvest them, you would press them. Um, A little bit of it, it was a cash crop for you. But more than not, you're going to live off that the wheat harvest and the olives all year round. The average meal every day is bread and olive oil. It makes a protein, a legumin, when you mix it together. So actually, Israelites are living better than most people. But what happens at night when instead of eating the olive oil, you pour it in here and burn it? You're burning your food. To have this, kids don't eat, right? So it's not like... uh, We just, you know, a mother said, put that lamp out. 
you know, it, it, you know, like we said, turn our lights off of. You're, you're burning your food. This is a big deal. <clears throat> so to say that a household will always keep their lamp burning as this place of prayer, as this sort of light from God, is a big deal. Now, theoretically, if I walk through a Jewish village, what should I see in their houses at night? Light. So this is the way it's supposed to be. So we can go back to Jesus' question. Who would light a light? Who would take your food and burn it and then hide it? He's not being rhetorical here. He's being literal. Why would you do this? So let's think about where he's living. What's going on with the people? Why would you hide your light at night? Yeah, save your life. What do you think a patrol of Romans that are drunk, and let's be brutal, horny, are going to do when they walk by a house and there's a light burning inside? Yeah. At best, they're going to take your food. God forbid what they're going to do to your wife or your daughter or something like that. So when Jesus starts down this road, again, it's a question that starts to unlock some very painful doors. We live in a world where we are afraid. And even though we're trying in the sense to be faithful and keep our lights burning, um, We have to hide them sometimes. If they're strangers, if, God forbid, Romans. And, you know, most of the evidence does point to the brutality of the Romans. But there's also some pretty hardcore terrorist groups out there. We've talked about some of them, the Zealots, and, God forbid, the Dagger Men, the Sicarii that Judas is one of. And they're crazy. Uh, They're liable to kill you after you've helped the Romans, or they think that you've helped the Romans. So there's there's fear there. There's also a, an element in the uh, Old Testament, there's laws that says if your neighbor runs to your house at night and knocks on your door, you're supposed to answer the door. <laughs> you can't pretend that you're not home. Uh, and so as part of the community, you know, if your neighbor really needs help at night, don't pretend that you're not there. And I think there's a little of that here. But let that sort of sink in for a minute. Is Jesus just saying, use your skills and ability to make the world a beautiful place? Or is he really digging into what's, what's wrong? With, with the world in his day. Steve always does a good job, and I wish he was here to do it, um, of reminding us that the point of God is that he started with Israel to be this one lamp, to be the one light that other lights would be lit from. You know, he starts with one group of people, not the greatest, the smartest, the strongest, but one group of people. And then the light is supposed to spread from there. That was the plan, and it worked 
because we're sitting here today, right? Their light has passed on to us. But there were a, a lot of moments when it was uh, touch and go there. Uh, they, they were not interested in spreading that light very far. And at this time of war with Rome, uh, with the brutality they're facing, do you think they're interested in sharing their light with the Romans? No. And so Jesus, he's, he's getting into this place with them about, as hard as it is, you have to remember why we are who we are. That we are the ones to spread the light. So as I said, once you get a hold of the questions and you start following this line, and it it leads you uh, to this place that Jesus is trying to get. And, and there's lots of elements. Um, what other lamp, and, and think of how they associate lamp, but what other lamp are they trying to hide? Or put out, even? Hmm? Well, they'd like to put the Romans out, yeah. But what what one light are they trying to hide from everybody else, the Jews? The Messiah. The Messiah. Uh, Jesus, we'd rather you don't. Uh, we pray for you, we want you, blah, 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 but we'd rather you don't. I mean, the painful place that they get to is that uh, both the, the sort of big political parties, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, for different reasons, come to the conclusion that, look, we don't have much, and we're in a bad way, but we have something. And what Jesus is doing is going to upset the apple cart, and we're going to lose everything. So much better to stay in the prison cell that we have than to risk leaving. And so they really, in many ways, are just trying to put the light out. You say that you don't want the darkness, but they really do. Now, as always, I think once we have the context that Jesus is teaching this, then it helps us to make the connection to our modern world. Uh, Always that's the place that it leads, but I think sometimes we jump there too quickly. Right? We don't get the context, and then we, we we try to apply it. I mean, in our world today, do we try to put the light of Jesus out? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I had a cockatiel growing up, a bird named Tilly. I love that bird. Um, it was crazy, but I loved it. Um, my parents had this. Uh, I don't have a, it was a, it was a giant glass wall. It was a two-story glass wall that was part of our living room. And so I'd get Tilly out and, you know, she'd, she'd do her thing. But one time she flew in the living room and she saw this, of course, big window and 
smack right into it. She broke a wing. And so we had to have a little cast on her wing, and, and she was fine. Um, but after she healed from that, um, I'd get her ready to get out of the cage, and she wouldn't leave it. I'd leave the, the gate open. She loved toothpicks. I'd give her toothpicks, and she's funny. She'd hold it with her little her one leg. I'd just chew it up. She would come to the edge of the cage, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't ever leave. And man, we people get that way. We get hurt. Something goes bad, and as we're saying, I'll just stay here. I, you know, I don't. I don't need to risk flying again. I'll get hurt. Jesus is saying, yeah. It really doesn't work that way. Who you are is designed to bring forth that light. I didn't just make clay because I like clay. You know, I didn't pour this oil that is a reflection of me. And as Christians, think about that. We call ourselves Christian, which is the Greek word for this oil. I mean, we're calling ourselves the olive oil people. I mean, we inherent in our name is that we'll produce light, just like the Jews did. But is it easy and fun at Thanksgiving to share Jesus with your family? I mean, can you do it at work? I was sitting in the airport in uh, Newark talking to my wife, and it was the election day. And uh, so we were just, you know, being Texans and talking about the election. And I made some comment about, you know, there's no way Beto's going to win. And you could see the people, you know, look at me. Suddenly, you know, the little antennas are like, he's not one of us. And I'm like, uh, it's it's not, we're not the same people as them. Um, and yet, New Yorkers need the light, too. And I don't know what's wrong with me that I'll talk about not wanting Beto as president. Beto's from El Paso, and I'll tell you stories about him and his family if you ever um, need any confirmation that he's a nut job. Uh, but it's easy to hide behind all of that. And so... We're, I mean, are, are we gelling here? You, you see where the questions go. You see the, where he's leading it. And then when I read this, we got the light part, the lamp. And then what did Jesus say after this? This is the bulk of his teaching here. It's a little longer. Let, let's look at it again. I mean, this is where he's trying to lead them. Everything that is now hidden or secret will eventually be brought to the light. So let that rattle around. Everything you do is eventually going to be known. When you hide the light, when the Romans come, when you back off from teaching your faith because you don't want to ruffle feathers, when you try to silence Jesus, the message of Jesus, because you just got to get along, he's saying, oh, that's going to come out. And eventually, it'll be brought to the what? To the light. And this is where, I mean, Jesus is just, he's incredible. It's going to be made known. It's going to be brought out. But what does that also mean? 
when we are brought to the light. Who's the light, really? God. Jesus. This is inherent in the Jews' view of the future, and ours too. One day, everybody will be brought to Jesus, to the light. And all that we have done or not done will be made plain. And we will be judged for that. So it's all going to come out. Uh, People, and and they're they're good-hearted, but... They say, you know, God's got this. God's going to take care of it. Which is absolutely true. That's never in doubt. But what he's worried about and what we should concern ourselves with is what we do um, through all of this. Um, Just because, you know, our parents are going to take care of it doesn't mean we can skip school or not do our homework or uh, there's a role he really wants us to play in this. And that's what he's after here. Everything that we do with the life that I give you, you're a temporary vessel, a clay vessel that's got a time stamp on it. But what you hold inside of you has the means to create light, to create God in this world, to create that which creates eternity. you got to do something with that. You, you can't just use it for your own benefit and then hide it when it becomes too costly. So he's warning them, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Now this is very, very rabbinic language. Rabbis always say this. If you will sort of follow the question, if you'll get involved in this thinking, if you'll bring Scripture and follow the parables, then it's going to begin to make more sense. If you dismiss it, if you uh, just treat it like a fortune cookie, you're going to be wandering in the dark. You've, you've got to sort of engage here with Jesus. I like to say uh, to hear Jesus' teaching is a participation sport. You can't just sit in the uh, stadium and watch it happen. You've got to get on the field and play. Uh, Jesus wants us to engage with this. Uh, I have to say that those of us that have recently come here, this is what we're going through in the Methodist Church right now, fits into this clearly that we have forgotten that this is supposed to be the focus of what we're doing. Amen, brother. Corporation, not the infrastructure, but what's the word? You guys have been a lamp on the stand here to come and relish and savor that light. Yep. You know, it's like smoking. I tried to quit smoking and watch all that's going on in the Methodist church, Uh, but there was a big. uh, big election that we feared. They had to elect three new bishops, as if we need more bishops, dear God in heaven. Um, And so they elected the three biggest nut jobs, clowns, that you can imagine. One of them is on record as having said, it doesn't matter if Jesus really existed or not, it's the idea of Jesus that matters. And this is a bishop. 
This is person in charge of the spiritual world. What, Jesus didn't exist. Uh, exactly. What, what, uh, I, I, I get no words. I mean, I, I just run as far as I can away from you. We're, we're not the same people. As you say, I, we have to take this like our life depends on it. Um, it, it, it's just like Jesus' warning. Um, if you don't want to hear, you won't hear. And what you know, you'll know less of. But if you get into it, then more will be revealed to you. And that's that's why we study it. That's why we get up in this morning and, and uh, do what we can do. So I've done a lot of talking. Let me uh, pause for a minute. Uh, questions, other good comments? Um, you guys, let me be poetic. You got some light. Now, it's not a pretty candle that you get from Beth, Bed, Bath, and Beyond. You guys are more like a deer hunting light. You know, high lumens, LED, you could blind a squirrel with it. And I love you for it. Our world needs some man light. It needs people that will call a spade a spade. It needs men that will step up and take care of their families, uh, be honest with their friends, frankly, uh, be leaders in the church when we really need them. Um, I I say this in all honesty, uh, as much as Steve and I tried to, to do the right thing with the whole Methodist split, we couldn't have done it without you. I mean, it... They're just churches, you know, where, where people fight and, and they're not clear about this and it it's just an ugly mess. Um, one of the good things I think that's happening as we move forward, leadership shouldn't be rested with me. <laughs> you guys know me. Don't let me drive. It's probably not a good idea. Now, maybe Steve more so. Steve, Steve's a pretty good leader. But at the end of the day... It's not just our light. I mean, we, we can light two lamps, and that's what we can do. But when you guys join us in this, that's when it really begins to be a real church. Not a bureaucracy, not this institution that just needs money you know, to survive, but something that Jesus was interested in. So, Yes, sir. Thank you. 
Thank you. You know, honestly, I want to say you maybe should keep looking. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, are we perfect? Absolutely not. Are we going to make horrible mistakes this week? Yeah, we are. Um, but let not our mistakes be missing Jesus and taking his teachings and just, again, making it a fortune cookie and who cares. Um, If we really discover those questions he's asking us and have the honesty to answer them, then we end up in a different place. So this week, when do you hide your light? You know, when do you turn the, uh, the, the... Car lights off, you know. I don't. Not that you ever did this, but when I was sneaking out at night, you know, with your parents, you turned your lights off to get out of the driveway. When are you doing that, right? When are you? Um, I'm coming in late, so I'm turning off the lights and coasting in. Um, Jesus would probably want to talk to you about that a little bit. So, anyway, any questions, comments? All right, let's pray. Oh, we're not going to meet next week. So go get your turkey ready, but we'll be, we'll be back the next week. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for speaking to us, for taking us back in time that we might understand the time today. Lord God, we know our world is full of lamps, full of your anointing full of Christians but this world is not full of light and you still ask us why Lord God we cannot fix it all by ourselves we know that but we also know we're not alone that you came into the world and you changed it you changed Rome you changed the Jews you changed our ancestors And it began with one light, adding the light to another life. Father God, open our eyes as you call us to do. And let us see the people around us that are clay vessels full of oil, but no light. And the oil just sits there going ransom. Help us to find the strength to take the light that we have and show them how to light their light as well. Our world needs you, Lord, as much as they did back then. The darkness seems to grow. People make just horrendous decisions again and again. We don't know how to fight it, but we hear your lesson today. It begins by us not hiding, not hiding the truth, not hiding your word, not being ashamed to say, Jesus, help us 
just in the light that we have in this room, to go out and to start some fires in Midland. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.